G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What good is a half-hearted Christian? What good is a deluded believer? What good is a decaf disciple? It's like an espresso without caffeine. It's like having a car without an engine, also known as a Prius. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us learn to be full-strength, fully developed, fully effective Christian disciples. A disciple must and will impact their culture. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. One of the classic old school Christian songs was called Two Hands by Love Song. The song said, with one hand, reach out to Jesus, with the other, bring a friend. It's a pretty good description of discipleship in a nutshell. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us follow the Lord wholeheartedly and show others how to do the same. We'll learn how to embrace the very purpose we're here, to have fellowship with God and to bring others into that fellowship. a series now on the topic of discipleship. In the last message I asked you, are you a disciple? Now I'm defining what a disciple actually is. And so go over to Luke 14 where Jesus really breaks down what it means to be a disciple. Uh, verse 26, he says, if any man comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers, sisters, yes, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I made this point in my last message, but in case you didn't hear it, I want you to know what it is. Number one, if you want to be his disciple, you must love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. You must love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. When Jesus says, hate your father, mother, brothers, sisters, etc., he's not being literal. <laughs> Because in other passages I'm told to love my wife as Christ loves the church. I'm told to even love my enemies. Jesus is using a contrasting term to make a larger point. In effect he's saying your love for God should be so intense that your love for others would be like hatred in comparison. So you must love God more than anyone or anything else. Love Him more than your career. Love Him more than your ministry. Love Him more than even your life. Point number two. The disciple must take up the cross and follow Jesus. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In Luke's gospel over in the ninth chapter, uh, Jesus addresses this again with a little more detail. He says, if anyone desires to come after me and be my disciple, he must deny himself, listen to this, and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Point number three. The disciple must turn the title deed of their life over to Christ. The disciple must turn the title deed of their life over to Christ. So if you're a car guy, give him the pink slip, right? Verse 33, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. The King James translation is forsake all that you have. It's just reminding ourselves we're actually not owners, we're stewards. Because everything you have one day is gonna be passed on to someone else. You know, you can take it with you. So what does it mean when Jesus says giving up everything that you own? Does that mean it's a sin to have a car or a house or uh, some money in the bank or some clothes? No, no, of course not. Here's what it means. It could better be translated surrender your claim to those things. If you want to be my disciple, surrender your claim to everything in life. So it's a recognition God is the owner. God is the pink slip. God is in control of it. And I recognize I'm just a steward over it for a period of time. See, it's not wrong to have a career, but it's wrong if a career has you. It's not wrong to have possessions, but it can be wrong if your possessions have you. You're only real passion and obsession in life should be Christ. And all these other things have their place, but not the most important place. My granddaughter, Allie, loves to collect stuffed animals. She really loves them. And so whenever I go on a trip, she'll say, Papa, bring me back a stuffed animal. So, you know, if you're, I'm traveling, you'll see little stuffed animal heads sticking out of my carry-on bags. I'll, I'll look for them and, and bring them home. And so the other day I was on a trip and I, I made a video of a bunch of stuffed animals. I said, which one do you like, Allie? And, and I got her on the phone and FaceTime and we're talking. And she says, Papa, I'm not obsessed with stuffed animals anymore. I said, really? She says, I'm just obsessed with talking with you. Oh, I like that. That's very good. Girls, try that line on a guy. Girls, I think that line would work on any guy, no matter his age, no matter your relationship. Uh, you know, warm my heart. I think we all should say to God, Lord, I'm obsessed with talking with you and walking with you and hearing from you and knowing you. Number four, a disciple must impact their culture. A disciple must and will impact their culture. Look at verse 34 of Luke 14. Jesus says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown away. Anyone willing to hear what I'm saying should listen and understand. Hey, what good is salt if it's not salty? Really. It's like Coke without carbonation. You ever get a flat Coke? Kind of gross. It's like an espresso without caffeine. What's with that? I love like a triple espresso decaf. Get, get out. <laughs> really? It's like having a car without an engine, also known as a Prius. <laughs> Sorry. And you probably have a Prius with a God is my co-pilot sticker on the back, right? No, that's not true. Because no Prius owner would ever have God as my co-pilot sticker. They would have a coexist sticker. Am I right? Right? 
And I know because I've seen them. I've gotten behind them on the freeway. They always drive slow. That's because the wheels on a Prius are this big. <laughs> and I have a sneaking suspicion that cats drive Priuses. I'm just, they're all interconnected somehow, you see. So when Jesus says, you are the salt, what good is unsalty salt? The point he's making is, what good is a half-hearted Christian? What good is a deluded believer? What good is a decaf disciple? Right? What good is it? Well, the answer is not good for much. So what does salt do? Well, we have to understand in this culture, just like we misunderstand the cross, we misunderstand salt. Salt was kind of a big deal in the first century. In fact, it was so important and valuable that sometimes they would pay Roman soldiers in salt. Hence the expression, he's not worth the salt. Valuable commodity. Also salt obviously has an impact. A little bit of salt goes a long way. You know, with a meal, put a little salt on it. Or hey, if you have watermelon, I love watermelon. A little bit of salt takes it to another place, doesn't it? Works in cantaloupe too. I like it in cantaloupe. Also in oatmeal, just a little bit. Don't overdo it or you'll wreck it for sure. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying number one, you're valuable. And number two, your life can make a difference. So when he says you're the salt, saying you have value and you can make a difference. Another thing that salt does is it stops the rotting process. Back in the first century without refrigeration, the way they would preserve meat was by rubbing salt in it. And in the same way, we sort of stop the spread of evil. A Christian may speak up in a classroom or speak up in an office or speak up in a neighborhood or speak up in our culture when something is wrong and speak up for what is right. But not only do we stop the spread of evil, we're not just there to stop bad things. We're there to speak up for the most important thing, Jesus Christ, because salt stimulates thirst. Now, of course, movie theaters know this well. They salt that popcorn. So you'll come back and buy a Coke that costs $100. <laughs> and it's in a trash can. It's so, why does everything have to be so big and so expensive? But you know, you get thirsty. And I think the greatest compliment that can be paid to a Christian is when a non-believer says, what is it about you? I, I admire you. I want to know what makes you tick. Ah, you've done your job, Christian. You've done your job, disciple, because you've created thirst in another. Thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg continues his message on what it means to be a disciple, and he's drawing reference to a movie about the life of a famous Hollywood actor. Let's continue. Let's review and conclude. Number one, a disciple of Jesus Christ loves God more than anyone or anything else. Number two, a disciple of Jesus Christ takes up his cross daily and follows him. Thirdly, the disciple of Jesus has turned the title deed or the pink slip of their life over to him. Fourthly, a disciple impacts our culture. And fifth and lastly, a disciple brings forth spiritual fruit. A disciple will bring forth spiritual fruit. Now this is not here in Luke 14. This is in John 15 where Jesus says in John 15, 8, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. 
so shall you be my disciples. If you are really a disciple of Jesus, you'll have fruit in your life. You'll say, but what does that mean, fruit in my life? It means results. It means evidence. Another way of putting it, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? By evidence, I don't mean Bibles laying around or Christian bumper stickers or things like that. I mean evidence where they would talk to people you know, look at your lifestyle and say, I can see the evidence in their life. And one of the first things we do as a Christian is we bring forth what the Bible calls fruit in keeping with repentance. So your old buddies say, hey man, let's go out and get a drink after work. I don't do that anymore. What? You don't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink anymore. Oh, okay, I found this porn site, man. I, I don't look at that stuff anymore. Well, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's not what's wrong with me. It's what's right with me. Christ has come into my life. See, they know you now by the fruit of your repentance. You've stopped doing some wicked things. Now you are doing in their place godly things and that intrigues them. It also perplexes them. But you should be known by your repentance. That's one way to bring forth fruit. Giving praise and thanks to God is a way of bearing fruit. Because we're told, by Him let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. It is the fruit of your lips. So earlier in worship when we sang the praises of the Lord, that was bringing forth fruit. When we gave in the offering, that was bringing forth fruit. Those are tangible results. One other thing, I could go on and on about this one, but one other thing is a change in your conduct and character is spiritual fruit. A change in your conduct and character. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we bring forth spiritual fruit, it doesn't grow overnight, right? You don't go in your backyard and pull up a chair in front of your peach tree and just look. I mean, you can do that. But you won't see anything. But if you set up a camera and did time-lapse photography over a period of a month, oh, you'd see dramatic growth. But you look at it every day, you may not see any growth, but it's growing. So this takes time, but we just need to start by saying, I want to take up the cross daily and do it because I want to find the life God has for me. See, living in this in-between spot is the miserable place. Living in this sweet spot of commitment is where the life is. Listen to what Paul said. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I, but Christ that lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you notice what Paul said? I'm crucified in Christ. Death, cross, cross-bearing. Nevertheless, Paul says, I live. See, that he understood this. That's where the life is. As I lose my life, which means give it to God, I find my life, I find my purpose and meaning in life by putting God first. As I quoted earlier, becoming a Christian costs you nothing. It's a gift, but being a disciple costs everything. Yeah, being a Christian costs you nothing. Listen, God has an awesome gift for you today. It's called the gift of eternal life. I love how the Bible calls it the unspeakable gift. I like that word because it's effectively saying there's no word to describe it, it's so incredible. It's just unspeakable. Why is it unspeakable? Because it's the only gift that becomes more valuable with the passing of time. It's not that the gift itself becomes more valuable, but I think 
our understanding of it does. Because we see the depth and the width and the, and the greatness of it. And then as we get closer to the end of life on earth, that's where we see the full power of the gift because it means we have the hope of heaven. And I ask in closing, do you have that hope right now that when you die, you'll go to heaven? God offers you a gift. You say, well, how do I receive a gift? Well, how do you receive any gift? You reach out and you say thank you and you open it. So God offers you the gift of eternal life and you say, Lord, I receive that gift. You ought to admit you're a sinner, turn from your sin, and ask Jesus to come inside. And I would like to pray and give you an opportunity to do that. Father, now speak to any that have joined us wherever they are. If they don't know you yet, help them to come to you and believe in you and receive the forgiveness of all of their sin and the hope of heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer about coming to the Lord to receive that gift of eternal life. And if you'd like to do that, Pastor Greg will help you right now. Yeah, you know the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ stands at the door of our life and he knocks. And if any man will hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Maybe as you've heard me speak today, well, you've heard another voice speaking to you. It's the voice of God. And you realize you need Christ in your life. You need your sin forgiven. You want the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. And I would like to lead you in a prayer right now where you will be saying to Jesus, Lord, come into my life. I choose to follow you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from that sin now and I put my faith in you. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my God, and my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, from this moment forward. Thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture that Christ himself has come into your life. The Bible says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you just prayed that prayer in a minute, you can know today you have eternal life. And may I be the first to say to you, welcome to the family of God. And we want to help you grow as a believer. So let us send you our new believers growth packet. We'll send it free of charge if you've prayed with Pastor Greg today. Just call us on 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Pastor Greg says we should either be being discipled or we should be discipling someone else. Join us next time on A New Beginning for more good insight from Pastor Greg as we see that discipleship is a giver-receiver kind of relationship. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called, What is a Disciple? If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media.
station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.